Welcome back. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter, and something does need to be brought up, acknowledged. You messed up. Well, I may have. You claimed everything was perfect, and I know my stuff, and listen to me, blah, blah, blah. A few episodes ago, we had one called, uh, Why Does God Allow Bad Things to Happen? Something like that. It was four or five episodes ago. And... We it had a great discussion about when the hard things in life happen, how do we reconcile? It was a great conversation. Yeah, and I, I have no idea. Honestly, I'm giving you a hard time, but I don't no. know what you're going to talk about. Well, a friend uh, brought up, he said, hey, I have something to ask you about that episode. Um, and it was something to the effect that I said that uh, I, I think I, I'm the one that phrased it this way because I, I had gone to that that theological lecture that I went oh, to. Oh, yes. Yeah. You made all of us feel that much less. Yes, yes. And then I uh, <laughs> I cleaned my glasses and had <laughs> and my pipe. And Yes, indeed. Um, and so I, I think I'm the one that phrased it this way where I said, uh, talking about the brokenness of this world wasn't God's original plan. And so a friend approaches me, and I mean, it was great. It was just a great conversation. And he said uh, something where, is that something we can say? Hmm. Because I've also heard, and and I told him this as well, I've also heard that Jesus was not plan B. I mean, God knew about Jesus coming. Jesus knew about Jesus coming, you know, before the earth was created. Yeah, yeah. So how can you really call brokenness and sin not God's original plan? But at the same time, God would never intend for sin. Like God would never like want sin. And so I, I, I just sat here and I pondered it because that's really like a catch-22. Mm. But I really think it comes down to this. What God's intention was is first and foremost to bring himself glory and second, to give us free will because mm-hmm. that is the most loving thing. He could have created a world and in a, in a sense, he did with the angels. I'm still kind of like, tiptoeing around this one because obviously Satan did what he did, but where the angels that are there now, they, they just, they are following God and we here on earth, he has created us as the most loving thing that he can do is to let us choose him. And if he created robots that would just choose him, that there wouldn't be that authentic love element. Well, and as we know, AI will always turn against you. Well, that's getting scarier and scarier. <laughs> you were talking about one of those chat GPI with like the nuclear codes or whatever. That yeah. freaks me out. At least yeah. with, you know, us, there was a chance that we would love him and obey. Uh-huh. And with AI, uh-huh. it's just inevitable. It's, it's inevitable. Gonna... Have you seen Terminator? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> um, but no, I, and I think that's really what it comes down to when we ask, well, why, if God knows everything, then why did he allow for sin? And I think it's because he allowed for the opportunity for us, like knowing how everything would work out in the end. And as Paul says, every single suffering that I go through is nothing in comparison to the glory that will come. Yeah. And so knowing that, that like we've talked about before, that Francis Chan illustration I love, that if you have the longest shoelace in the world, let's say it goes from here to Jupiter, and that, that little, what they call the aglet, the, the nylon tip, just like any shoelace has, that's our time on earth. And the rest of that, the never ending shoelace, quite honestly. All the way to Jupiter. All the way to Jupiter Mm -hmm. is is eternity with him. And so I I think we have a hard time seeing the travesty in this world, but him knowing how it will all be made right, how the story wraps up, 
He knows it before he even creates us. And he gives that genuine, authentic opportunity for us to accept him or reject him. I love those kinds of questions too, because it does get you thinking and then you kind of get lost. Oh yeah. Because you know, just talking about the uh, eternal aspect of the shoelace to Jupiter, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about things that are eternal, then there is a vast amount that we do not understand and will not understand because we don't have the capacity right. to understand. But I've heard it explained and I've even just tried to figure it out myself where it's like, okay, why am I trying to strap God into my timeline, my linear thinking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I heard somebody sharing about the book of Revelation recently where we see things in like a timeline form with the seven seals and seven bowls and the seven this and the seven this like as separate. And they were even comparing it the way that it was written. It would be it would make more sense if we thought of it as like nesting dolls. Like the seventh, all these events are kind of taking place in and around the same time frame. Mm, mm. And so when I think about, when I think about God and we think, oh, plan A, plan B, what is that? If not linear thinking, right? (laughs) And that's the way we think. That's the way God created us, designed us. And of course we put it in those terms because those are the ones that we understand. Um, And we are made in his image, but that doesn't mean he's confined to what we are. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's those mysteries of like, I heard a pastor talking about the other day, like how, how will I be okay in heaven when there's every tear will be wiped away and all be well, all will be made right. But but I have the knowledge that there is some of some loved one, a friend or a family member, that is not with us. Mm-hmm. How will I be okay with that? Yeah. And and that's what I love the way you put it. We don't have the capacity Mm-mm. to understand God and how He will just you know. I imagine the the physical representation of wiping away every tear, but but however that will work, just trusting that. I think it's because our our motives will be just then, mm. will be made right. So we will see how serious sin is mm. and and how just the, the punishment was for sin, both with, with uh, Christ's death on the cross, but also if people didn't choose that sacrifice, then the just punishment for sin and what it is. Because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, with our own sin, we're like, well, it's really not that big a deal. You know, it's not like I killed anybody or anything like that. Like, no, there, I mean... I think we'll see how big of a deal sin is. You know, God conquers it. It's nothing to him, but but for us and how it impacts and separates us from God, I think we'll t- we'll have the seriousness so then we'll be able to completely understand, well, why did a good God allow this to happen in life? Well, why, how am I okay and joyous to the fullest capacity? even if not all my loved ones are are with us in the end. It, it will just be, We I think we just have to say, I'll understand then. It's why we use words like faith and trust. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, I'm always going back to one of my favorite chapters. It's 1 Corinthians 13 at the very end of it. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will know in full. So we're getting bits and pieces here. And you know what? It's about the same as uh, the faith of a child and trusting daddy God holding my hand is going to get me across the street. Sure. And does that mean he's protecting me um, from the storm or is he protecting me in the storm? Yeah. Is the rain still happening around me? Yes. Is the thunder still rolling? Yes. But until he hands me my ticket and I go to be with him forever, I can trust that he will do what he says that he will do. Yeah. And 
I don't understand everything, and that's putting it mildly, right? So if I don't even understand all the things happening in my own life, how could I try to lift, uh, contemplate sure. an sure. eternal father who had a plan from the get-go, even though the plan for our planet in place with perfection was to show us this is what it can be. This is yeah. Eden. Yeah. And then Jesus is going to, because I know my creation is free will and this free will will be tempted and it will be overcome. The plan in, will then be act, enacted for Jesus to be a part of the redemption process. It all somehow works together. It's maybe not A, B, C. Maybe it's just this beautiful weaving of our love story with God. Yeah. And you try to nail down anything complex in a marriage or a relationship. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many feelings and thoughts and emotions, two people involved. How much more with an infinite God and his creation? Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, but understandably, we want answers. But then we think that we can handle the truth. And Jack Nicholson put it perfectly when he said, You can't handle the truth. In fact, that's why we can see only through a glass darkly right now. I, I am fully trusting that. There were even things that Jesus himself held uh, from his disciples and said, right now, it's too much to go into detail about. Sure, sure. So uh, we can trust him. We have these breadcrumbs throughout scripture that lend to, hey, this is one of those things that you're not going to go by on just seeing alone, but by believing. Yeah. And... That's not going to please everybody. Why? Because when we watch a murder mystery, if they leave me hanging at the end. Oh, man. It's the worst. I want to know. Of course I do. It is the absolute worst. <laughs> We're um, curious. You reminded me of uh, my experience the other day. Uh, in retrospect, you just talking about a few good men. In retrospect, I, I shouldn't have responded so harshly to the waiter that brought us our sodas. Mm. But, but in my defense, I thought when he had asked me if I had ordered the code red, he had surely seen the movie A Few Good Men. Anyway, that's how I got banned by that Chili's. Are you done? I am done. <laughs> Man, I wish he was, but I know there's going to be another somewhere in there. Just any more? You know, you want to uh, unpack another? Uh, the other day, uh, my wife and I, um, <laughs> she'd had a long day. She'd had a really long day. And uh -huh. you, know, you try to keep the spark alive, right? I mean, you right? do. So I get home, I see, we have a two-year-old, so I, I see it's been a crazy day, mm -hmm. and I say, baby, I'm going to give you two options. Wow. We can eat at home like we normally would, or I'll get the babysitter, and I will take you to an exclusive members-only club for dinner. Is there really an option here? I mean, it's... Right? Yeah. She did not enjoy her Costco pizza as much as I thought she would. <laughs> Not near as much as I thought she would. I was very surprised, but pretty ungrateful, to be honest with you. You know, I, I know you're joking, but I've heard, I've heard people have had dates at Costco and they rocked. If you both plan on going to Costco, <laughs> it rocks. But Do, she all dressed up. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine? No, and oh. I, uh, because I know Kelsey. Yeah. I don't think I, that would be a good night. I wouldn't be here. No, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> he was a dead man <laughs> walking. Okay, what what else are you bringing? I love that you brought that up. And I, I kind of want to bring something up, too, that I did. Oh, gosh. <sighs> we're going <laughs> to... This is the airing of grievances? Well, no, we're just... We're journeying through Scripture together. And we are discovering ever discovering God's truth mm -hmm. because he continues to reveal just like we talked about relationships just a moment ago 
he's revealing who he is to us. And I am always, if I'm truly invested in trying to find out more about my husband, finding out little nuances. Sure. You think you know everything about him? Oh, Lord Jesus, help us if we can ever read men's or women's minds. Mel Gibson did once. Mel Gibson mm-hmm. has proven that that was a bad idea. Yeah, that's with true. what women want. That's true. But uh, ever unfolding what, what it is um, to be a follower of Jesus, and that should be exciting. And I think for a long time of my life, even though I love Jesus, sure, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, I read my devotional books. I, I um, you know, I did the right things, if you will. You know, I went to church, and I, of course, and I did want that relationship with Jesus, the more I started to really dive into his word, the thirstier I became. Mm-hmm. And that's an invitation, man, that I just want to keep extending because I think <laughs> a friend of mine once said something about a comment I made, a devotional comment I made. Like, oh, I'm nowhere near the place where you're at. I thought, wow, you need to break whatever pedestal that you've got me on quick. Mm-hmm. Call the code red. Call Chili's. Call the code red. But And I'm sure there's people in your life that have looked at you in that same way, whether it's about your faith or maybe an ability you have or gifting or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. If I'm anywhere, it's because God has gotten me there and I. it's been a journey. And I, I want to emphasize <laughs> how human both of you and I are. <laughs> I'll claim it. So obviously you just shared about, huh, you got called out on. I called myself out on something the other day. I get excited when I read about um, things that might have historical value or context and add that into my reading of, of the Bible because it's, oh, wow. Now I get it. Like if I have ever witnessed somebody else argue it. Let's, let's use this as an example. I am at a theme park with my son the other day. Yep. It's just he and I, Caleb and I, and we are drinking a Starbucks because it was abnormally late and we needed to stay awake to ride more rides. Makes sense. And we noticed this couple and they are in the throes of it. Mm. And the guy, all of a sudden, as we were trying to mind our own business, but this kind of got loud. The guy sits down right there next to us. And she is about 20 feet behind him and she is staring daggers Mm -hmm. at his back. Yeah. And he said, what? You want to sit down? Let's sit down. You said you want to eat dinner. I'm sitting down. Well, let's just sit down. You want to sit down? And then he just gets out his phone and starts doing the thing on the phone, pretending like... Oh, my goodness. Like that woman is not skinning him alive in her mind. I I am so nervous for him. And she, I mean, Carter, it was minutes, not seconds, minutes. Oh, that's so awkward. And Caleb and I are just kind of looking at each other like, so this is good Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. It cost us $20,000 here at this theme park. And then she's like, oh, is that how it's going to be? I know you're not pretending I'm not over here. Mm. (laughs) We have no context for this conversation. (laughs) That's true. We have no idea. Now, I can make up all the things I want involving the things that I have heard. If a transcript is written from what I have heard, Mm -hmm. I can maybe try to read into what may have gone down. And from my own experience, I may be able to, I don't know, infer 
Yeah. Well, you you that's in, this is interesting because if you had a transcript, mm-hmm. we could really sit down and break down. Okay, how does the conversation work? Who's being rude? Where? Whose fault do we think it is? Mm-hmm. But what we often do, just like we do a scripture, you heard one person say one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. It just like the one that comes to mind for scripture is Jesus said, don't judge. Yeah, that's not the whole context, is it? He said, judge like you want to be judged. Yeah. We should judge our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in a in a righteous, not me holier than right. that way. Right. That's Re- the stickler. <laughs> rec- recognizing my sin, saying, get the, get the log out of my own eye before I help with this. We should help with the speck in our brother's eye. We should. We should call them out gently and... But but what do you hear on the internet from you know random believers and non-believers? Don't judge. Jesus said, "Don't judge." Can't tell me. Only God can judge me. Yeah. No, you heard one little thing. That's not the whole of it. That's not the context. And, and perhaps there was somebody who quoted the whole of it, and they did a poor job of reflecting what Jesus meant when I, he said, "Sure, that's judge it. the way you want to be judged." That's right. So all of that, and I guess my point being. When we get more in depth, when we find out, let's say, where this couple is from, what were the events that transpired that led them to this place? Are they on their honeymoon? Is this the, uh, I don't know, their third date? Like when you start to find out all of this kind of stuff, now we have more information to surround this story. I'm sorry. I just have two different reactions. (laughs) Like third date? You guys just go your separate ways. You probably should, yeah. Honeymoon? This feels... Uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I will tell you, the silliest arguments I had with my husband probably were in those earlier stages, just sure, of, sure. of a married life, yes. right? Yes, no, that is true, yeah. So I, I think, my, to my point, I guess, that I hopefully am making is that when we get more in-depth with Scripture and we really hone in on it, like, okay, what was Jesus doing? Why did washing the feet of his disciples, why was that a thing of service? I mean, that simple recognition of, sure, you can probably wrap your mind around the fact that their feet were dirty because they wore sandals back then. Um, And, you know, the roads weren't nicely paved, all of them. So they were, you know, in mud and everything Mm -hmm. else. But what about the status of the servants? What were they considered? What was the value of, uh, you know, and, and so if that was their job, would they even be looked at? Would that person get eye contact ever in his or her life as a slave? You know, mm-hmm. the person whose job it was to wash the feet. And I, I think it's so important that I invest a little bit more. I need to do this better, Carter. I need to invest a little bit more. And so as I was reading this uh, book of Revelation again, trying to find out maybe something I hadn't already discovered. It was, I think, a year or so ago that I was going over the passage in in Revelation chapter 3. He's confronting throughout these first chapters certain churches in the area, and there is this one in, uh, let me make sure I'm saying it all right, Laodicea. I'm going to go with Laodicea. That, That sounds about right. But he's talking, there's this famous scripture, Let me read it from this translation, which, by the way, we've had people ask. This is my learning Bible, the contemporary English version. Hmm. So this one says, uh, oh, this is such a good passage. I'm I'm trying to find the right one. I I did not highlight it. (laughs) My mistake. Um, I'm just going to let you sit. There it is. I know everything you've done. You're not cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But since you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. I remember as a child, the first time I read that, I thought, oh, okay, okay. So you got to be all in or you're all out. 
It's better to just be an atheist. Or you can spit out. So what is it? <laughs> then I started hearing about um, all these years later. So a year ago, I shared about this aqueduct system uh, going from from one side of this particular area in Laodicea to the. Uh, there was one that was on this side and the other the exact opposite. And when they met in the middle, there was potential. <laughs> I don't know. There's a bunch of hearsay. Involving this, then there's another aqueduct. When by the time that the water got to this area, see, I'm I'm giving you all sorts of twisted information because I didn't write any of this down. The point is, is that when I looked further into the aqueduct theory about why this was referenced as lukewarm, because when the water finally made it here and it was from a colder region and it became lukewarm, or from this other region and it was from a hotter area and the water should have gotten there, but it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Apparently, no aqueduct from that area was ever constructed. There's no historical evidence of it. Yeah, okay. Now, I think the waters from both of these opposite regions were both hot on one side and cold on the other. So I think if we needed exact interpretation, an exact, yes, this is the location of the aqueduct where all of these, these quote, dreams came true for this, quote, to make contextual sense to people who have research to try to figure out why would he say it this way? I don't think there's evidence for that. According to some of the, the people yeah. that have written it. So geographically, this was would have been an impossible feat. Like there had never been an aqueduct made this long. It would have been just incredibly huge. Sure, yeah. And so that idea kind of got pulled off the table. And I thought, all of that to say, and if you're really interested, please Google it. It's fascinating. Either way. It doesn't really matter. I think in this instance, I think in this instance, the thought that I had as a child still rings true in this passage, that God wants us to be all in. Sure, sure. And he doesn't want us to be hot nor cold, but I think there's also the recognition that yes, there are gonna be days where we run hot and there's gonna be days where we run cold when it comes to our faith. Well, one, I think, it's interesting because uh, what blew the doors off for me a couple of years ago was uh, a pastor that shared really, because uh, I think there's springs as a potential too, which is also, I think, pretty blurry. Instead of an aqueduct, it was there's cold springs and hot springs. And some right? of the water would taste like swilling. You'd spit it out of your mouth or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so so with, um, with both, uh, perhaps the, the right interpretation with this is both hot and cold in this analogy. It's all in the analogy. Yeah, okay. sure. Both hot and cold are good, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're at a hot spring or a cold spring, you know, there's benefits to both. Or our beverages nowadays, hot coffee, great. Iced coffee, great. Tepid room temperature coffee, Ugh. gross. Yeah. And and it's a illustration of uh, however your, your, your giftings look and your faith looks, like, yes, be all in. But don't let yourself be so conformed to this world that you grow tepid and stale. See, I love that. Yeah. And so both in this, again, regardless of, because I love that you bring that up, regardless of what the background is, <laughs> it's an analogy. Even yes. if it's not from something, it's an analogy. And so, but we just, we just often go, I mean, because think about the ridiculous nature of, of uh, for, for a lot of people, the, the, I thought this growing up, well, I might as well, if, if I start struggling, I might as well just become an atheist because at least I'm not lukewarm. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's ridiculous. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. I love how you just put it. I think that's the perfect way to um, examine this this 
passage and re-examine. And if the even if it is a made-up <laughs> analogy yeah, that yeah. really blessed you and it worked for you, when you discover things like this, you realize that, oh, there might not be archaeological context for what had been shared. Yeah. D- don't let that dismay you, per se. Now, now I say there, that. There should be some for certain things. Like, right? Yeah. When we find the remains of a city that was named by scripture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. that's... That's huge. That's a big deal. But when it comes to these passages that kind of give us some flexibility as to what did Jesus actually mean when he said a rich man's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Yeah. There's been discussions yeah. back and forth about what that actually meant. Well, and, so and people say we get caught up on things that. Yeah, I'm just warned by this. It's like, Rochelle, you get so excited, but didn't also remember you may have accepted something that still hasn't yet but to be discovered. Just be calm. And there's folklore. What is the point of that passage? You know, that's the point. There is folklore in Christian circles of these made up things. Well, even would you, would you, this isn't biblical, but would you share the candy cane example? Which drives me insane. Yeah. Or even the 12 days of Christmas. Well, Well, share the candy cane one. Let me tell you why both of them, Carter. Because I think as a child, I had heard those stories. Mm hmm. So the 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 black, the black and white, um, red and white. Thank you. The red and white of the candy cane. Although I do believe they have a licorice flavor of black and white. Oh, um, <laughs> licorice is gross. No, it's not. Yes, it is. But the red and the white striped on the candy cane. It was this. Uh, the candy maker. The intent of that was talking about the the red and the blood of Jesus and the white, the purification, and the cane was shaped like a shepherd's crook and the staff and. Um, I loved that imagery and symbolism there. And there may be a smidge of that that's accurate. I'm not entirely certain, but I know that the whole thing is, is made up. It's made up. It's made up by pastors who were like, this is a really great, and they probably were like, Hey, let me use this as an object lesson. Yeah. It's a good illustration now, but the can't, it wasn't invented for that. I don't think. Yeah. And I don't know that they ever stood at a pulpit and said it was invented for that (laughs) when they first shared the analogy, but it has since been reshared by pastors, uh, who, who thought it was true. Uh Uh It got passed down. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh no, this is a thing, and you can find a zillion websites that says it's real. But right. it's so it's frustrating when you find out about the twelve days of Christmas, and it was supposed to be an early um, type Christian church communication. What they were talking about with it that, that's not true either. I found out, and that that bothered me. I thought I feel lied to and deceived. Like all the gifts represent something. Is that, that what the yeah, point the, was? Uh, the partridge in a pear tree, all of that, okay. it represents something symbolically having to do with the early church. And it's just and an urban urban myth. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not true. And that's frustrating. You may be listening right now and thinking, what? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I just taught a Sunday school lesson. And well, you know what? I did too. Well, but and and even like <laughs> using it as an analogy is great. And and I think that's why it's so important to understand, yes, the context of scripture, but also the writing styles. Mm-hmm. Because Genesis is more poetic and you might have where okay well, it's a narrative where, the genesis was more what do you it's a it's a very poetic written book okay there's a lot of um room for more poetic speaking right it may it, it, there may be more representation or imagery okay with certain parts of genesis yeah, I was getting right stuck on poetry i'm thinking yeah. like song of solomon no no no, no like, like yeah but 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 more symbolic in so, a yeah, lot so of ways like heavy in, amount of symbolism in the way that genesis is sure and and then you have uh, like the synoptic gospels uh, which are matthew mark and luke mm-hmm. and 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 that's 
that is a just historical narrative. That's just, yeah. here's this, is, we're naming real places and, and really, synoptic. And then, this is my point. This is my point. Why you, wouldn't you, when, why didn't you explain synoptic? Cause when that word comes across, yeah, like a synopsis and John is not included because it's written differently. Yeah. That's, that's really it. Unbelievers will often say, you take the Bible literally, huh? You think this and you think all that and the flood and the blah, blah, blah. And we should take the Bible literally where it's meant to be taken literally. Mm -hmm. The synoptic gospels. Yeah. And then there's room for flexibility on even the flood, for example. I'm, I'm not saying, I don't think it didn't happen. I don't think it's this imagery. But when this has really changed my way of thinking the past couple of years, people go, do you really think there was a flood that happened over the whole earth? And just like the Bible says, when there's not evidence for it, for the whole earth. And then you kind of look in the way that it's written. Well, when it says the land or the world often, now it doesn't mean it wasn't the entire globe. It doesn't mean that necessarily, but there's good reason to believe. The known world. The known world is where the flood happened, which would have just been a, in our day and age, a regional flood. Right. Which would have happened in obviously, you know, around Jerusalem and all the Middle East and, exactly. and all of that. And there is evidence for a significant flood in that area sometime thousands of years ago. Yes. And so you you kind of, if we don't look at how scripture was written and meaning, now again, I'm not going to say one way or the other on that. Maybe it was a global flood, but there's good reason to believe it was a regional flood. And when the Bible says something, it means it a certain way. And what do I do though? I grow up and just repeat people that say, yeah, it was black and white. This is it. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, look closely at how scripture was written, what the meaning is and what the context is. Exactly. I think you put that perfectly. That doesn't mean um, we can't be proven wrong in the days ahead about certain things. Well, sure, sure. And that's really okay because you always go back to what is absolute truth. What's the most meaningful thing about your faith? And if it comes yeah. back to the cross every single it, time, it should, yeah. Then you're you're on good ground. You're on solid ground. The other stuff that support you're like, but it all, it all comes back to the cross. Yes, like the love story that God started writing from Genesis to the end of Revelation. It's really amazing. There are so many. Edenistic, is that a word? <laughs> Eden references. Just don't put an H on the front of that. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout scripture to keep going back to the beginning, mm -hmm. back to the beginning. And you read Revelation, you see, you see all of the symbols that are used um, from the horns on the, the lamb to, you, you read these references in Daniel and it's all connected. And so when you start to see these things popping up, you think, okay, so this is symbolic for something. This is, I want to go deeper here and it gets you thirsty. And it, for me, it actually helped, helped remove fear out of the equation because the unknown can be so fearful for me. I start to get anxious about like, I, I don't understand. Why can't I understand? And when, when he says this, what does he mean by that? When I start to go deeper with Jesus, the more I realize I'm holding his hand <laughs> or sometimes white knuckling his hand and that removes the fear. As scripture tells us, perfect love casts it out. And so the more I give over to daddy God, the things that I don't understand, the better it is for his child. Yeah. 
And I, I so, yeah, explore, please, if you can hold loosely the exploration of Old Testament scripture, not that it's not accurate or true, right? but right. it is hugely a narrative. This is passed down story after story. A lot of the credit given to Moses for pa- piecing the first five books together. Some would give all the credit to Moses, but apparently this, we're talking about many different writing styles, I guess, even in Genesis. So this is more than likely a collection. Right. Yeah. That was acquired, given accredited to Moses by many people, and he made a mixtape. Is that what he, you're saying? It was a, sma- yeah. it was a smash up. Is that what it's called? Yeah. A mashup. And, a burnt uh, CD from LimeWire. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I I really appreciate well, you bringing that. We have so much to get to. We'll we'll just get to it next week on week because we had like other main things to bring up. But I, I think was gonna. I, I want to. Well, we're thirty. I can't do it. Thirty two minutes right it's now. It's all over. Um, but I want to say. I think that's why where we're at, where we're at uh, with people leaving faith, because if we don't, if I don't get all my questions answered about everything, about the flood, right? About a lot of things about Jonah and the whale, things like that, that people go, can I really believe that? Because it's hard to believe. I think that's where, like you said, you got to have faith and trust and just hold on to Jesus' hand because the only thing that should ever make us leave our faith, and Paul referenced Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm is if they prove that Jesus never died or- If his bones are found tomorrow. Yeah. Then that would be the only earth shattering thing. And let me just tell you, if God forbid, we have to experience that on the news someday, Jesus's bones were discovered. I remember reading a book, um, I think his name was Paul Meyer, and it was called A Skeleton God's Closet. And I've shared this with you before, Carter. I read that book and it terrified me because it was a what if Mm -hmm. this happened and people were jumping out of windows. Oh, because they thought it was actually happening? Because they thought that this was real. So uh, we have heard over and over again when archeological digs have been making discoveries about actual Bible accuracy like they were finding these things. Oh, well, that never existed. And then 10 years later, they find yeah, it. Totally. Yeah, the, the discoveries are being more and more in favor of the Bible. There are so many scams as well out That's there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And what was interesting about the book is that the person who did, it was a scam. <gasps> Spoiler alert. I should have said that first. Spoiler alert. Oh, they actually wrote it like it had actually it happened. It was a book. Yeah. It was like a novel. Oh, but it was a novel. Well, yeah, it was a novel. So did they intend it to be fiction or nonfiction? This was, well, it's fiction. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So, so what was the scam then? So there was a guy who had a vendetta against God and he worked with all of these materials, the DNA testing, all of this stuff. And he was able to create a scenario where it looked like he knew the digs where he should be burying the bones. He had a crucified skeleton. He had everything. He had even uh, papyrus with the um, the command from Pontius Pilate for the soldiers to write on that sign that went above Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. the three different languages. He had all of these things written in the, the ink that he knew would need to be. And it was in all these ancient ways. He had the ways to make it perfectly staged. But this was a, a fiction book, though? Why are you so confused? Yeah. Because it's not a scam if he wrote it as just this, like, fake story. It's a fiction book uh-huh. about a guy who scams the entire planet. Oh, the guy in the book is scamming the entire planet, and people in the book are jumping out of yeah, windows. Yeah, you are totally— I thought you meant people really jumped out of windows. Oh, gosh, no. Because of this book, and they, they thought it was real. But if you think about it— Oh, okay. Nobody died over this. Nobody died over okay, this. Okay, okay. That's what I was worried that about the whole time. That would be the worst, like, here is a nonfiction yes, book I yes. bought for you, Grandma. Yeah, right. And she didn't get through very many pages 
before it gave her a, a heart attack. Oh. Dear Lord, that's awful. Okay, now I'm, I'm caught up I, with you. I apologize if I okay. explain that horribly. Nobody no, actually jumped out a window. He also wrote more fiction about Pontius Pilate. If you want to read out fiction, yeah. yes, this is fiction, still, fiction, fiction. Paul okay. Meyer, fiction story, but it made me think about what if. Yeah, sure. Sure. And it made me think about all the faiths that would be discounted per se. I mean, like, like what would this mean? All the different all, denominations all, of, of Christianity. Oh, what okay. would this mean for how the church would handle it? Uh, yeah. How would they handle it? And so, I mean, then you ask yourself, how would you handle that? Forget everybody else. How would you, Rochelle, handle uh, and so I just, I yeah. think about those archaeological digs and I think, well, you know what? I wouldn't believe it. I don't think I would either. I don't think I would because I've seen also God move in my life. And so I just don't, I just, in real life, I just don't think I would believe it. Now, yeah. if it just was a shadow of a doubt, like there's absolutely, cause it'd be, it'd be hard to like prove without a shadow of a doubt in, in, you know, a, a, an archeological dig that this People is who it is. People have believed more on less though for stuff like that. And that's you know? probably true, but that I'm just saying for Christians, I think a lot of us wouldn't believe it. I'm just saying if it was literally proven true that Jesus never died, Paul says we should be pitied the most because there's no you hope. You mean that he never, that he never came back to life? You said if it's proven that Jesus never died. Uh, well, both, right? If he never died for our sin, if he never actually went to that cross, if he never rose oh, you're again. you he never existed. If he never existed, any of it. Oh, okay. If he didn't do any of it. If he lived and just faded out, if he died and never came back, if he never existed, like like any of it. If if our sins are not covered by a Messiah that can't, like, then we should be pitied more than anybody. And, and so that's where it really has to stay, where if... <laughs> And it, I just, it just will never happen. But, but if that was to, that would be the only thing that should ever shatter us. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Jonah, flood, anything we don't understand, we should be able to hold loosely because it does not prove Christian. If they came out and said, absolutely, there was no flood at all. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? And Jesus still died on that cross and rose again. When you hold it loosely, then God has the opportunity, in my opinion, to tie it all back to him. Yeah. But if I try to hold on to my beliefs about what it should look like, sure. how God should respond here, if that actually occurred, if I try to hold on what other people have said it should look like. Yeah. Yeah. Then God is, I'm confining him to the weird box I put him in, which by the way, you can't do, but you know what I mean? In my own life. Oh yeah, you can. I can yeah. shut him out. Yeah. Because I've chosen not to hold the rest of it loosely, but hold on to Jesus tightly and recognize that he is going to align all of these things up. He's going to tie it all back to him. And I'm going to go, oh, my goodness. Sure. And get super excited. And then when I'm holding it loosely, he can even go back and help me correct. Hey, you know that aqueduct that you thought was a thing and like even declared it so and you discovered it wasn't historically a thing. Oh, OK. Okay. Oh, and he might go, turns out it was. Uh, <laughs> like, <am> I? <laughs> right? I mean, Just knows? because they didn't have historical proof, give it uh -huh. 10 years, Rochelle. It there might you go. Be there. They have discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we obviously have a, a lot of fun with this. Um, and there's so much to talk about um, for next week as well. So we will en enjoy those conversations. Uh, and I, I want to see if anybody, I, I know last week somebody put something incredibly nice as a five star rating and a comment. Do you on ever read the mean ones? 
I, you want me to read a mean one? Is there a mean one? Let me see if I can find one. Um, this one says, great chemistry, great discussion. I may have read this last week. And deep but entertaining discussion of deep scriptural truths as they walk through scripture. I think you did, but I'll allow it because it was nice and you're a bit sleep deprived. Well, I, yes. And I know I'm seeing a lot of nice comments. <sighs> That's awesome. This is, oh, this, I, I will go. This was the funny one from a year ago that they, they phrased it, terrible one star, but they accidentally gave us five stars. <laughs> We'll take it. Thank you so much.